State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help with funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey everyone, it's our favorite time of the year here at the Black Effect. We're heading to Atlanta for the 2024 Black Effect Podcast Festival, and we're not going alone. Nissan is back as our partner, and they're continuing their Pitch Your Podcast Lounge at the festival, where you'll have the opportunity to pitch your podcast idea live and share it with the Black Effect team. So get those podcast ideas ready. And remember, you can count on Nissan to dial up the thrill in your adventures, no matter where life takes you. Visit blackeffect.com forward slash podcast festival for more details. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Moments like seeing my son's team cheer him on mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer or MBC, which is breast cancer that has spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, palbociclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk? Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. That's how we own it! What's up, family? It's your girl, Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we're your hosts of Street Politicians, the, the place, place where, where the streets, streets and politics, politics meet. meet. My son, Lennon.
Grandma T. That's me. That is me. Oh, you you are uh what's your name again? G Pop. G -Pop. G Pop. That's so cool though. We got that kind of legacy building. Legacy, legacy, legacy. Yeah, I gotta go get my little young, my young king, man. I ain't seen him in a while. I'm actually going to participate in caretaking in just a few hours once we finish the show today. Are we uh, doing grandma duties today? I'm going to do my grandma duties today. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> uh, you know, I wanted to just also make sure that folks who are listening in, that you all know something that I posted about this weekend that sometimes we're taping days in advance. So when you all are listening to the show, you're listening to things that we've taped some time ago, maybe three days or two days. Sometimes it's really quick because, you know, life happens and we need to discuss very, very uh, important topics. But there are times when we're taping our show in advance um, and, you know, and, and around the schedule of guests and what have you. And so in those instances, sometimes you all are hearing us speaking um, on issues and it might not necessarily fit with some of the other things that's happening at the time. So we're working on that, but just wanted folks to know it. I, I wrote it on my page. I saw you reposted it. But um, I think it's important also that we state it on this show so that you all will be aware of how things happen. And, um, you know, we do our best to stay as current as possible with the news. Uh, and so, you know, keep sending those topics, as my song would say. Keep us up to speed on all the things that's happening and make sure you hit up at Street Politicians Pod where. Uh, we're checking the DMs and we're learning more about issues, people, things, the goings on of the world. So that's that on that. Um, and now it is election season. There's actually uh, early voting happening in this moment. Uh, November 8th is the day, the final day to vote. Um, I think that uh, there's been so much concern around a number of issues just in the media. There's all types of things happening in the media. There's controversy. There's, uh, you know, a lot of just drama, a lot of pain, a lot of laughter, just all types of things going on on social media and in the media. And as a result of that, uh, things can get drowned out. The midterm elections is something that does not get the type of attention that it needs in general. And there are, I believe, very specific reasons for why that happens. One of them being that there are actual forces that do not want us to focus on the midterms because the midterms put people in power who are able to either push for or against the president's agenda, the federal government's agenda, and they have the ability from a local perspective to either push things down to the ground that is coming from the top, or they can sort of willy-nilly as much as possible in their own states and their own counties, so on and so forth. The reason why that's important is because many of our followers and our listeners 
are people who are very, very concerned about whether we should be participating in the voting process. We don't see much that is happening for Black people especially and radical change, leaps and bounds and jumps for it. We are tired of hearing it takes time. It's been taking over 400, some even say 500 years, and people want to see real progress swiftly happen in this nation. With that being said, um, and while we, we know that from a federal level, we have to fight like hell to get drips. What we also know is that the local government, the midterm elections, determines much of what happens in your state. It also, of course, determines some of the uh, federal uh, uh, federal legislation as well, because you have senators running for office around the country. Shout out to our boy, Gary Chambers, who is in uh, Louisiana yeah. yes. right now running for Senate. Uh, and there are others around the country that are also running for those positions. So those positions are very high level federal positions. Um, and they, of course, have some local standing. But you have other local elected positions on the ballot, not to mention you have other, um, uh, what is the word, uh, ballot initiatives. So on ballot initiatives, these are issues, not people that you can either support or vote down. So in different states, you have ballots. So for instance, in Florida, a ballot initiative was whether or not to restore the voting rights of people who were convicted of felonies um, in, in that state. And, and thankfully, the people, which we were on the ground there with the initiative, knocking on doors, we knocked on thousands of doors. And thankfully, there was an initiative passed. And shout out to all the people, all the leaders who were uh, organizing in Florida. Uh, I think about Desmond Mead and there are others who were doing incredible work in Florida. The, and, and of course, the ballot initiative passed. So this, this is serious stuff. It's, it's easy to just be like, oh, we don't care, this and that. But no, this is on your street, your block, your community, your schools. Uh, everything that has to do with your life is a part of the midterm elections. And people who know that want to suppress your vote and stop you from going because they want to be the ones to maintain power and control. So with that being said, I'm gonna let you speak my song because I'm running my mouth. But um, I, I um, uh, today we have an incredible show of individuals who will come and talk to us about a particular issue. And I'll let my son talk about what that issue is. Yep, we will be joined by some of my esteemed colleagues and brothers and people that I just respect to talk about the black male vote. And, and it's going to be very critical in this election because what we realize is that black men are really divided. You know, there are a lot of black men that lean more towards conservative views and ideologies. There are certain things that as black men, that the liberal party doesn't, you know, it just doesn't fit with us, you know? So in majority of the things we do, but there are very distinct things that I think black men are just against, you know? So we'll discuss those things, you know, and uh, we'll talk about how important it is for us to vote. You know, a lot of us, 
really don't even want to vote. I'm just being honest. Like having conversations with black men in our communities, they like, man, vote for what? Like vote for who? You know, we voted, we we keep hearing vote or die, we keep hearing this and that. But what, what are we getting for our vote? You know, and then there's a very intentional, you know, there's a very intentional push from the conservative sides not to get black men to vote, right? So they they completely ignore the things that are happening, try to act like nothing is happening. Oh, nothing happened. Y'all voted for this and look what happened. Nothing happened, nothing happened. And, you know, so it's, it's very important for us to continue to highlight the things that are happening, to say, hey, look, this is that what happened. And then when things don't happen, let's talk about why they're not happening, you know, because there are, you know, intentional, you know, people from the conservative side and white have who have white supremacist mind states mm -hmm. who are not trying to allow certain laws to be passed, certain you know policies to go into effect. So those those things aren't really discussed when you look in the media that wants to push this propaganda. It's just like, oh, this president isn't doing anything. This person you voted in, you know, every Democratic state isn't doing this. And I'm not, I I, I don't really go with party politics. You know, I'm not nonpartisan. I go with the best, what I think is the best, but you still can't convince me that a party where 97% of the representatives inside of it are all white, that don't come from the communities that I come from, that don't understand the, the realities that go on in those communities every day are better for me than people that I actually have grown in this movement with, people that I've went in school that I, I know have the same exact ideologies and understanding what goes on in our communities. But there's a, there's a deeper rooted problem within government. And I think for us, government was never really designed for blacks. It just really wasn't. So we're trying to completely shift something that was really never divided, I mean, designed for us. So we're trying to change the culture of the government. We're trying to initiate new ways of of um, politics, operation, yeah, operation. We're trying to initiate new things into it, and that takes a lot, you yeah. know, because this government is not going to just give up its power structure. It's not just giving up the structure that's built on white supremacy all the time without a fight. So that's what we're witnessing. We're, we're witnessing white supremacy's last stand, you know, and what they'll utilize is our own. A lot of times, they'll utilize people that look like us, you know but never really don't identify with our realities. Most of the, unfortunately, most of the black representatives that are in the Republican party, they're, they're so far removed from what's going on in our communities, our everyday lives. You know, they'll tell you they're black and they usually pick the dark skin ones. They make mm -hmm. sure they pick dark skin, you know, and they say, hey, this and that. Like when I'm looking at Herschel Walker and I'm just saying, and this is why it's very dangerous for me, right? Because Herschel Walker has one or two talking points that black men agree with, right? Because they those they do their research. They do their research. They do their research. He has no. He's, he's. You can tell he's not educated, but he goes up there and says one or two things that he knows appeals to black men. Black men like football, so they know Herschel Walker from being a football player. So there's a level of identifying with him. But when you look at his background and understand his reality, it's not the reality of the average black man in our communities. So there's this false narrative that's being pushed and they continue to push this. And once again, it's not about partisan politics for me. It's about understanding the system. It's about understanding the individuals, just understanding how the game is being played and understanding actual to have actual change. 
right? Mm -hmm. You have to go through transformation. You know, you can't you can't think that you're going to continue along the same same path and look to the same people to make changes for you that have never really made changes. Most of us say, "Hey, neither party is for us." Okay, we understand that. So, in the process of our, us building something different, which I always say, because that should be the main thing that we should be doing. We should be trying to, how do we build a party, not just a party, but just a, a voter collective, a mm. collective voter um, block with millions of people that we sit down and we come up to each, you know, um, participant, everybody who's running for office and say, this is what we need as a people. Right. We have these conversations before primaries when we're looking to see who is going to be, you know, the, the candidate. When we have these conversations, we sit down and say, well, these are tangible things that we need. Can you provide those things? Are you willing to provide? Are you willing to go on the campaign trail and say, this is what I'm trying to do? Right. And that's what we need to do with every candidate. And then as we do that, we can shift and we create that power, then we can say, you know what, we want our own party, but we can't keep creating third and fourth parties that only get one and 2% of the vote and say, and just do it as, you know, just a vote of some moral conscience. I don't want to, I'm tired of moral victories, mm -hmm. right? The moral victory shit is over for me. I'm grown, I got kids, they got kids. I want to see tangible change. I want to see things happening in real life, in real time. So, you know, this conversation can be very critical. There's some who would say that that's that you said something that's really powerful about doing the same thing over and over again. And there are some who will say that that's the problem with voting for the Democratic Party. We are black women are number one in terms of a voting block and black men actually are number two. Um, and so we are the absolute power uh, base of the Democratic Party. And I know there is a need um, and a, a need and a desire to move away from the party. Uh, but again, to your point, you know, and there are people doing that. We have, you know, the brother from um, from West Bellamy from our Black Party working with alongside Puff to create a, a, a new party and do exactly what you said. First of all, start with, uh, you know, supporting candidates, getting people together, aligning on goals, and then eventually becoming a party that has its own uh, uh, own process in general. So we do need that. And there are people who are building it, but we've attempted to build it in the past. This is not the first time that people have said, we want to build a part, a political party, but we as a people have to decide if we are at the place where we're ready to support that party, hands down, no confusion, we're in. I don't know when we're going to get there. I think what has been done to us in terms of the division that exists within our community is strong enough that um, you know who knows whether we will whether we'll get there anytime soon. But we certainly can get better than just throwing our votes away. And uh, I think we should start the conversation with our guest today. Yo, I'm hype. The Black Effect is live. This April 27th, the 2024 Black Effect Podcast Festival is headed down to Atlanta's very own Pullman Yards. Last year was incredible, and this year will be even more thrilling, especially with Nissan coming back along for the ride. Nissan is returning with some empowering activations to support black excellence in the STEAM fields. Have a podcast idea you've been eager to share with the culture? Well, Nissan is back with the Pitch Your Podcast Lounge. 
You'll have the chance to record your podcast idea and share it with the Black Effect Podcast Network team. But that's not all. Nissan is taking the stage to spotlight some of the HBCU scholars from their own Thrill of Possibility Summit. Nissan's action-packed weekend of community building, mentorship, and professional development for HBCU scholars pursuing professions in STEAM. The Black Effect Podcast Festival is the event to be at. You will not want to miss this. Because no matter where life takes you, Nissan will dial up the thrill in your adventures. Visit blackeffect.com slash podcast festival for more details. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags-to-riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash news. That's LifeLock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. That's how we own it! As we said, we've got a great panel of, of folks today that are dealing with uh, the issue of voting around the nation in different ways. Um, and each person here has a group of 
sort of their constituents and folks that they touch and talk to on a daily basis that makes this conversation well-rounded. Um, and, you know, I, I was, we were just saying, my son, this election situation, this is the part that we talk about, local elections, local work that also helps to push federal legislation to either block and or support federal legislation. So this is the stuff that folks say they care about, but yet and still, we're not seeing enough people engaged and you know, I, I'm sure there are many reasons. I won't state them all, but I don't. I would. I would say, from the jump, as we start this conversation, that we understand clearly why so many, particularly of our black men, feel disenfranchised and are are you know really just sort of trying to figure out what are other ways to address their needs and concerns than to rely on this political system. So let me introduce the folks who are here with us today. Um, all of them are our brothers, Reverend Jamal Bryant, who is from the great church in Atlanta, Georgia, that I preached at one day <laughs> at his New Birth Missionary Baptist Church. Thanks, Jamal. Thank you for being with us. We have Wisdom Cole from the NAACP. He's the Youth and College Director. Uh, and we have Mondale Robinson from Black Male Voter Project. If you don't know Mondale, you need to get to know him because you know, he's on the news telling the people some things. I didn't heard you saying stuff on the news, Mondale, that a lot of people are afraid to say unbought and unbossed around the Black male vote. We'll be joined eventually by Congressman Jamal Bowman. Uh, and so I think he will help us to round out the conversation even more. So whoever wants to start, whoever wants to start, on the let me just ask the first question okay, cool. you know I, I just want to know what do you think is the biggest each of you what do you think is the biggest hurdle for getting black men to vote uh, i'll i'll jump in uh stacy abrams is in the fight of her life trying to become governor all of the data is coming back that uh, she is failing uh, to get any real momentum or synergy around black men. Black men feel taken for granted and have not been uh, a part of, uh, of the conversation. And so this last ditch effort here in Georgia has been trying to uh, really mobilize uh, black men. The last two presidential elections hinged on the backs of black women, uh, but this now midterm election, uh, I think is uh, really uh, in the strength of uh, black male participation. You know, I think we have to meet black men where they're at. Part of the work in terms of turnout is making sure that we're engaging, uh, particularly, you know, the young black male voters um, in the places and spaces that they interact in. You know, I'm thinking about, you know, the young black men who are, are in college who are into esports, right? Like, how are we connecting with that demographic, that population of young black men? Um, how are we making sure that we are messaging appropriately? Um, oftentimes, I feel like our population might be overlooked. Um, and I think it's really important that we engage them in all aspects. And that means making sure that we're willing to go where we need to go. Um, I love that question, bro. First of all, thank y'all for having me. Let's be clear. Um, Black men have every right in the world not to participate in America's politics, uh, especially the electoral process. If you consider the fact that 152 years ago, they passed the 15th Amendment, supposedly giving us the right to vote, 
when in actuality, all it gave us was the right to be the guinea pigs for voter suppression. You asked what's the greatest hurdle to keeping black men from participating. There's a couple of them, it's not one. The first one is poverty. Uh, most black men live on the margins, telling people who live on the margins that they need to go vote does not ring true when they've seen no uh, electoral change in their lived experiences. Uh, the second one is uh, antipathy. The world look at black men as if we're apathy or if we have a level of apathy or a nonchalantness about of the election, it's not true. What's actually going on is there's a level of antipathy, hate for the very transactional nature in which politics and politicians address us. Let me correct some misnomers. First of all, uh, black women are super soldiers as it pertains to our communities, and that's a fact. Black men also participate in the electoral process in record numbers in the last two presidential elections. The world won't tell us that because what the world is doing, they're basing their voting off of exit polls to say that Donald Trump got more of the black man vote. But in actuality, if you look at the real data, like the, the real data in these states, if you look at uh, the voter turnout for primaries, partisan primaries, you saw a massive increase in a specific demographic of black men, um, not age, age didn't separate us. It was all black men who had been what the world called sporadic voters came out in increasing numbers. So consider this, no demographic in Georgia in 2020 had a huge increase or larger increase than black men that have set out the last five federal elections. That means these brothers were old enough to vote for Barack Obama but did not vote for him in 2012, did not vote in 2014, 16, or 18. It's about 460,000 of the brothers in Georgia that meet that. That's nearly half of the brothers that are registered. Of that 460,000, 124 participated in the 2020 election. So people have this misnomer based on an uh, 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 exit poll, which actually started by this dumb company called uh, Edmonds, um, and they get it wrong every year. And scholars have also criticized them, but what happens is, the world runs with that because it's easy narrative to say that black men sitting out or black men <clears throat> are not voting for Democrats. When, we, when in actuality, we vote for our community more than anybody except for black women. And the same thing is happening right now. So people keep saying that, you know, there's there's no excitement around candidates for black men. That's the wrong question to ask the black man. People did the same thing in 2020. Are you excited for Joe Biden? Are you excited for or um, uh uh, also, I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, they asked about also for this lecture cycle. If you're asking if black men are excited about Abrams, if you're asking if they're excited about Warnock, you can probably get a hell no from black men. And that's just a fact because that's the wrong question. Excitement does not equate if you're going to vote or not, right? So black men are policy voters, even though the world won't tell us that. So what we know is uh, while there may not be no excitement for the candidates, black men are definitely turning out in record numbers. We've already, out, we're outperforming um, every demographic right now uh, with sporadic, the so-called sporadic voters and not super voters in Georgia. Right now, black men have closed the gap between black women, which is normally a 10% participation gap. It's only 2% right now. And the voters that we're turning out are our sporadic voters more than our super voters, which is a good thing because super voters have not missed an election. So that means even if they haven't voted, they're probably still gonna vote. And if we're turning out those voters who don't normally turn out, we're doing our damn job. Mm -hmm. So you, because I, I've heard that it's not just black men, but that the numbers in terms of all young people um, and just the black community in general is not where it needs to be in order to assure a victory for uh, the, the candidates, particularly in Georgia. Would you guys agree with that? Or 
you know, is that what we're saying? And, and, and Mondale, I just want to say, we agree with you and stated before you all came on that Black women are number one, but Black men are number two in terms of the power base of the Democratic Party specifically, uh, and that it is very much so uh, disrespectful for us to keep ignoring how much Black men do participate. However, we know that there is a major divide in terms of Black men who, to your point, have decided that they want to make choices that are based upon the issues they care about and less about candidates or following a particular party. But I just, uh, to go back to the point is, do you all feel like the numbers across the country from what you're hearing are down in general, or do you think that it's just an issue that's impacting Black men in this moment? You know, from what I'm hearing, um, particularly about young people, right? Like for young folks, it is it is down. And I think what we're hoping to see is on election days, days before election day, folks are still turning out. Um, I just left a rally around affirmative action. Um, and from there, we are pushing our young people to make sure that they turn out um, and support. But again, I think, you know, when I think about young Black men, I'm thinking about these issues. I'm thinking about these policy choices. You know, oftentimes uh, for our generation, folks coming to our community days before the election making promises, but where's the plan? Where's the policy? What are you doing day one? And I think we want to actually see our return on investment, right? If we're going to turn out, if we're going to support you, uh, the work that you actually do is going to change our lives. You know, too often we've seen politicians cheat, steal, um, and lie, you know, week after week, year after year. And so I think folks are tired about that. I think they want to see people who are actually going to change um, our lived conditions and not just talk about it um, as a talking point. Yeah, I would say uh, that uh, the morale is down across the board, uh, even across uh, age demographics. Uh, we had the carrot around uh, student debt cancellation, and that's on freeze. Uh, you're not seeing uh, the Democrats fight aggressively or roll out a plan, and you're seeing the Republicans plan, and both of them are dizzied. We've not heard any real platform around reparations while money is being funneled to the Ukraine. Uh, HBCUs are still uh, incubating on uh, life support. Uh, we're seeing uh, no real policy around support for our brothers and sisters in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, those who were adversely impacted by Hurricane Ian in Florida. Uh, let's not even deal with uh, the scab that's been pulled on on the pre-existing health conditions that were exposed in the COVID-19 pandemic. And so people are really dizzy and are asking, what's it all for? Uh, what difference is it going to make? And beyond uh, the promises, uh, to Brother Wisdom's point, what is the policy? What is the agenda? And a lot of people are not seeing that. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, what happens is, first of all, uh, Black men are participating uh, at, at levels that are, that should be considered astronomical, considering the lack of investment in our community, especially uh, this demographic. What, what the world won't say is it's easier for those with resources, those with access, talking about the parties, uh, both political parties, their auxiliaries, their candidates. Uh, if you see the campaigns they're running, they run heavy uh, media, heavy campaigns. Uh, 80, 70, 80% of their budget spent on TV, radio, and that's just not how you're going to reach black men at all. So that failing is the, the failing of brothers to turn out 
uh, is the fact that candidates invest their money wrong, parties invest their money wrong. People people believe that get out the vote happens to the four or five days before election. And that's tacky. Get out the vote begins January uh, to December every year. Uh, uh, so if, 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 if you consider if you consider the work that needs to be addressed as it pertains to lack of trust from black men in the political system, thinking you need to change that in four days is absolutely tacky and silly. So I think what happens is when people consider the fact that, you know, of the black men that vote, 90 plus percent of them vote for Democrats. So people, so one party is just trying to keep us from going out, that's the Republican Party, and then the other party, the Democratic Party, uh, would rather just spend their money on trying to convince their conservative-leaning white cousins to come vote, come back to the Democratic Party, which is never going to happen. That demographic has sale. And I think, um, you know, we never tell the truth. We're talking about we are people that play politics in the fact that um, they're the number one way to increase a demographic's participation is to spend resources on them. Uh, we have white consultant. We have a white consultant class that gets more more than ninety percent of the money from political expense. Um, even though you know, like you said, the biggest base for the Democratic Party, I would say the only base because we're not splitting fifty fifty, uh, is black voters. Everybody else, uh, you know, dance with the Democratic Party, but not majority, right? Our Latinx brothers and sisters, uh, and, and folk, and the same is true for our Asian brothers and sisters. So, uh, and I just want to push back a little bit, sister, on something you said about black men. Uh, there are no black men switching over to Republican parties. There's been no increase in black men's participation in Republican politics uh, at all. And people keep talking about like this is how I know a lot of people, sis um, and brothers, uh, that don't that aren't really engaged with the majority of black men in this country. They think Republican talking points are going to misinform black men as if we are living in a silo or if we're not experiencing. Uh, the, the ills of American politics. Actually, the real voter suppression they should be worried about or the real misinformation campaigns they should be worried about are these brothers on YouTube saying craziness like Flat Earth and all the other stuff ho-tapping out here. Them the brothers that have the power to convince brothers of some craziness. It ain't these white Republicans. So I think people are missing, people are truly missing everything. I seen, I saw, let me tell you something. They, they've spent hundreds of millions of dollars on TV ads. I've seen Republicans run three or four ads on battle rap. Battle rap is a locked in demographic for a special type of black man. And those black men, if you look at their crossover, if you take their profiles from social media and crossover with the voter file, these are the brothers who sit out elections, right? So that means that an entire swath of people aren't being reached. And that just isn't true for that demographic. Uh, like I said, if you look at the number of brothers who are registered to vote, nearly half of them have not voted in five consecutive federal elections. It's not a critique of black men. It's a critique of how we play politics in this country. And that's, and I think we are, when we say, oh, is it a black man thing or is it a different type of voter thing? No, it's the way we play politics. It's the, it's the actors. So nobody would ever, nobody would ever uh, condemn a person for not drinking Coca-Cola uh, and drinking Pepsi instead. People would criticize the marketing campaigns saying you're not selling your product properly. That's why people aren't buying it. The same thing is true with candidates. Candidates are products and the party and their consultants aren't doing their job as it pertains to black men when you're running out here talking about how much more you're going to invest in police. And these guys keep killing us um, with our hands up 
over on our on our backs. So I think what happens is the more you keep talking about these Republican-like messaging, uh, the more you have these white consultants who are not connected to our community, the less and less you will see of people participating in your electoral process. Let's let's let Congressman Bowman in so he could join and hear what we're talking about. We are in a a good conversation. And because folks don't have a lot of time, I don't want us to go back over the, the discussion. But what I will say is that what we're talking about is the lack of, um, of investment in Black men that has created, whether they be false narratives and or um, voter apathy. Is that a word, that a term that I think we can use, Mondale, or do you think that's not a, a term that we should use? I, I think we should step away from apathy altogether. There's no apathy in Black men. There's no apolitical Black man in America. Uh, there's a level of antipathy that exists, but antipathy is different than apathy. If I'm nonchalant about something, I don't really care what happens. If I hate it, keep it away from me. And I think people are people are addressing black men as if we're nonchalant about the process. We're not. We hate it. I mean, and we hate the way it's presented to us. What's up, Bowman? Please. Uh -oh. See you. That's so what I, what, I wanted to, what I wanted to say, right, is I like, you know, <sighs> I heard what you're saying that you know black men aren't moving to the to the right, right? And I what I've what I've noticed, right? A lot of friends that I have, right? They come to me with all of these right wing talking points. Every new and these are new people that before they weren't having these conversations with me. They weren't telling me that oh well Trump they, like they're identifying with Trump. They're telling me how Trump did all these things. They're coming to me with these things every day, and I'm confused. And I'm like, well, where, where are you getting this from, right? So th that's one thing I want to say, and, and then y'all can go on to that. But I want to know, you know, because I, I'm starting, like, I'm, I'm actually, I'm seeing in my personal life, not what the, the data is saying, I'm seeing in my personal life that people that I'm connected to, that I'm speaking to daily, that come on my posts, that I know they're not bots, that people that I speak to daily, are coming to me and they're leaning conservative, right? So I want to know what are the issues that you believe that that really are important for black men? What are the issues that are important for black men that people aren't addressing, that maybe the conservatives are addressing, or maybe the, the um, Democrats aren't addressing, but what is important for black men? I think first and foremost, uh, you know, you got to have the conversation. You got to meet people where they are. You got to go into the communities and act like you care, first and foremost. So before we even get to uh, the topics and the content and the policy, show people that you care. Show people that you're willing to listen and, and learn and, and, and really engage to understand what the issues are. So then you can go work on the policy. One of my frustrations with the Democratic Party is we, we consistently do not do that uh, directly and explicitly with, with Black men. Um, so that, that's one. Just, just start the conversation, first and foremost. Secondly, um, from what I'm hearing and in my own personal experience, we as a party and we as a country, we have to, one, be honest about the harm we have committed to Black men, be honest about the history related to that harm, and then be very explicit in doing something about it today. Right. So um, access, opportunity, uh, self-determination, uh, dealing with issues of wealth inequality, helping black men and, and black, the black community to build wealth. Uh, criminal justice reform is another. 
Uh, and there are many other topics as well, fully funding education, affordable housing, et cetera, et cetera. But first and foremost, you know, do the work of, of engaging black men, first and foremost. We haven't even done that to know which direction we need to go in terms of topics and policy. If we did that, that would go a long way. To your point, my son, around leaning conservative, uh, Republicans, if you will, or conservatives have done a better job of engaging, whether it's directly or indirectly, whether it's through proxies like Ice Cube and, 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 and Kanye and, 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 and others, or uh, through topics that are important to Black men like money and wealth and, and, and other things, even criminal justice reform. I mean, Trump did a few things related to that, you know, during his presidency. So first and foremost, have a conversation and then we go from there. I wanted to just hone in on this point. Um, where you said, Mondell, and, and uh, you know, everybody can jump in. Um, and my son has touched on this idea that people, Black men, some Black men are leaning more conservative. I hear you saying that that's not necessarily the case, right? But what does it mean when there's an uptick in Black men voting for Trump? Is it a Trump thing or is it a party thing? What does it mean when Herschel Walker is actually a viable possibility in Georgia in this moment? And, and to your point, you know, I know, all of you can get in on this part of the conversation that these consultants and the polls and the ways in which they you know, do the reporting that is always off, it never represents black people properly, but we can see or we can feel with our own eyes and through our cell phones and through conversations that there are more black men who are even willing to entertain a possibility of a Herschel Walker. And so I'm just, I just want to be corrected and or educated. That's a better way of, discuss, of saying it. Educated on what is it that we're hearing? Why are we hearing this? And how does it not mean that there are more black men who are voting towards the um, moving towards the Republican party or Republican candidates? First of all, uh, it's capped that more black men voted for Donald Trump. It didn't happen. In 2020, Donald Trump did not get a larger portion of black men participation. Uh, I, I, again, I'm, that, that one quote, that single quote was in the New York Times a couple of days after the election, it came from Edmonds. Edmonds is a ridiculous, wrong exit polar who who has flawed instruments every year and it's not just me you can look at the many many uh you know research one study uh schools that'll tell you that it's trash um what i will say though is a better way to judge people's turnout is look at how they if they participate in the primary and then also the general election you can see it especially if we're talking about people who set out elections five and six election cycles like a lot of the black men did herschel walker is not within one percent of um uh, we're not right now. That is cap. That is a poll. That is not what the voting data is saying. I don't care about polls. I care about data because data is real. And if you look at who's participated, at what rates they participated, and who they are and how they are registered, it's no way that people are saying that. And, and also, this idea that Black men are more conservative now is a false narrative. I'm, I'm, I'm what we know is we know these people in our lives that are conservatives. They're not just being more outspoken. That's cool with us. We should understand that there, there will always be, Republicans always fall, especially at the national level, somewhere between eight and 12% with black voters. Donald Trump performed right in that, you know, 
He didn't he didn't outperform anybody. He actually did worse than Mitt Romney did with black men. So people don't it's it's a harder work to find out data, the real data. And the exit polls are just snapshots that people run with because they get put in the papers real quick. Um, I did a long, a long three-hour interview with Rolling Stone, proving to them that, that that poll was wrong and they didn't have, they had no other source than Edmonds from that for that fake poll or that exit poll. So I, I would say first of all, uh, the idea that uh, black men are more conservative now than they've ever been doesn't ring true with how we're voting and the issues we care about. If that was true, then how could we say that black men supported? Uh, uh, progressive issues like a woman's right to choose more than anybody, not excluding anybody, right? This year when they polled demographics, black men outperformed black women on that support. I want to get mm -hmm. you, Jamal, into the conversation. What are you hearing? And, uh, and, uh, and are we on the right track with what we're saying? You are in the church, you know, talking to black men <laughs> yeah. that, um, you know, we know our brothers from the church. So right. give us your perspective from, from, from that viewpoint. I said, first of all, I'm sending a cash app to Mondale because it just helped the miseducation of the Negro. I didn't know nothing that he just said. And so I, I feel better because uh, I've been stressed out. Uh, you know, the Bible says our people die from a lack of knowledge. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, everything that we've been mobilizing around Mondale has been around the polls, not around the data. Uh, they have been, Tamika, one million people have participated in early voting. Uh, in the last week. Uh, and it has been uh, a great number of people from our community who has done it. But Mondale, the polls are not giving reflective of our turnout. Uh, mm -hmm. And so the street politicians, y'all are helping me today. I'm, I'm a convert. Mm -hmm. Mondale, I'm joining your church. I'm leaving mine. <laughs> um, so no, th th no this, is, this is helpful uh, for us to really recalibrate our level of thinking uh, because what it also does uh, wisdom is it puts in the minds of our people what's it all for if we're just following the polls uh, that there is no point that uh, is not going to change it's not going to shift uh, and I want to enlarge that conversation Tamika uh, as a Georgian that is not just around Warnock but let's not forget Stacey mm. uh, they they're trying to put her behind in double digits again Mondale in the polls mm. but not in the data uh, so uh, I'm, I'm just uh, encouraged and inspired uh, that Mondale, you're going to have to send me that data because I've, I've been preaching the wrong thing. I'm, <laughs> I'm preaching from the Dead Sea Scrolls. I need you to get me uh, the New Testament so I can, <laughs> I can try to fix this. But no, this is great. And I, th I think uh, I think a key word that you had mentioned, Tamika, is entertain, right? Like people are entertaining these actors, right? Entertaining these people who um, are coming with this conservative rhetoric and talking about black men in this way through social media, right? Every you know shade room, um, social room is posted and talked about these people, and people are, are being more aware to them and and giving them that time of day. Um, even though the data may not show that, right? Uh, I remember when I first moved to DC in 2018, there was all these conversations about black conservatives and black uh, progressives and this growing amount, right? Again, we look at the data and that's not true. And so the fact that folks are entertaining it, I think we need to start shifting the dynamics in which we um, uplift those people and there's platforms, right? Because if there's real people in our community who are doing the work that we wanna make sure are elected, those are the narratives, those are the points, those are the people that we need to make sure are in those places and spaces and are being uplifted. So that, can you, I just add one thing real quick? Yes, you can. So ever since I've gotten into Congress, I've become more aware 
of how powerful corporate media is, how powerful yeah. corporate polls are, and how much propaganda is peddled through media and through polling to get us to think a certain way, even though that may not be accurate. Like literally I'm living in the matrix right now because I'll do an interview on a particular topic with a particular publication and they'll take what they want to take to craft a narrative they want to craft that got nothing to do or very little to do with what I said. So that polling piece is critical because this is money and money is going to dictate things in a way that's going to lead to corporate media, corporate polling, getting more money. So I just want to make that quick point. That, that's that's very important. I want to, to your point, Wisdom, I want to ask you a question after I state this. I remember during the, the Trump election, and I remember I was with Tamika, we had just, we was in D.C., and we had to get on the train, right? And all these polls had said that Hillary was going to win. We, we got on the train, and the polls told us that she won. This was the poll said. The poll said it was. It didn't even make sense. It was a landslide, and within two hours we was on the train, and everything that these polls said didn't happen. Mm -hmm. So at that point, I realized that the polling, whatever the polls was, it was it, it wasn't a reliable source. Mm -hmm. You know. So I want to ask you, wisdom, as a as a young man, do you believe that? Because like you said, like we saying, we're getting polls. We're getting social media. We're getting the feel from social media how it seems like it's an up uptick in conservative values, especially black men talking with um, conservative talking points. Is social media real? Do we? How much do we give? You know, how much props do we give? How much reality do we think that social media presents to us? You know, social media is a powerful tool, right? You know, throughout the, the pandemic, we had to use it really to, to reach voters, right? To contact people. But something that I wholeheartedly believe is like, likes don't equal votes, right? You know, folks can be, can be shared a million times. Uh, folks can share it around. There can be, you know, sound bites, clips, all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's about turnout, right? It's about that data, right? It's about making sure that uh, real people in our community are reached with that message. And so I think it has an opportunity to help influence, right? And I think how we use it is going to be very important. Um, I think for the younger generation, right, it's our primary source of communication. I wake up in the morning, I'm not opening up a newspaper, I'm looking on Instagram, I'm looking on Twitter, I'm hearing what's moving in the media today. Um, and I think the way in which we can change that, right, is making sure that folks have the right information. Like, how are we connecting with these culture brands, with these sources, uh, with these opportunities to make sure that they know uh, how influential they have to actually change the course of the election if they're actually mobilizing people to the polls. Hmm. Hmm. Anybody else on social media and what you think, like, what's the reality? And I would just jump in and say that the, I think the internet is extremely dangerous. I think it's extremely dangerous. It's actually become very toxic. Yes, it can be used. Yes, we all use it. Yes, we have found ways to make it work in different situations. But I do agree that there is a sentiment that is brewing online. And by the way, let me just insert here that a few weeks ago, a New York Times article came out showing how the Russian bots were involved in the women's march and it was used whoever, you know, and, and don't don't get me to, uh, I'm, you know, Congressman Bowman is, on, Bowman is on here, so I'm gonna be careful of what I say. But 
I don't know who paid the, the Russians or who worked with them to do what they did. But during the Women's March, the bots that attacked us, and particularly Linda Sarsour, who you all know uh, is our partner, they, they really focused on her. But by extension, the entire Women's March was receiving basically hate tweets all day, stories from different sites. And they were working so hard to create dissension among the ranks within the, 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 the uh, within the Women's March, but of course, to turn other people off. And I believe that those bots still exist and they have the hotep, if you will, uh, profiles. Some of them are real individuals, but a lot of them have the profiles and they are spewing, um, or spewing, excuse me, certain things and putting things in the atmosphere that is making it very difficult for people to know what's real and what's fake online. I don't know if others are feeling that. I noticed that you, Jamal, have pulled back from being online as much as you used to be. Yeah, that's correct. So it, it's, it's a gift and a curse. Um, and it's become more of a curse in, in many ways than a gift. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's a great way to share information. It's a great way to communicate different initiatives that you're a part of. Um, you know, it, it's great for that. It, it's, it's, a, it's a media platform to share press releases, tweets about particular issues, bring attention to issues. It's great for that. And, and as we have all seen shortly thereafter, uh, the, the toxicity comes in, the bots get involved, and many of these bots have been programmed to have an agenda. And this is why, you know, as we talk about until freedom and defeating white supremacy and black revolution, we got to step our AI game up, our artificial intelligence game up as we, as we push back against that, because we need our own bots as well, uh, telling the narratives that, that, that we want to tell um, on social media. So, I, you know, to your point, I'm still on it. But, I, you know, I try to avoid the, the toxicity and the poison uh, as much as I can. But one last point, um, you know, and I think this was said earlier, you know, the way celebrities are pushed on social media is really problematic as well, because we we hold celebrities in such high regard, um, you know, as a society, when they say something that gets disproportionate attention and then and then it sucks all the oxygen out the room and we can't have real conversations around about real topics. And social media is a hard place to do that anyway. I think that uh, we've got to uh, really put our own messaging out. I don't think that the answer is for us to go radio silent. Uh, is that we've got a great package, but we've got to learn how to amplify it. Uh, and we can't leave all of the language uh, to hate speech and white supremacists and bots without us touting it. A lot of people are not participating uh, because of what it is that they don't know. Uh, a lot of people will uh, decry Congressman that uh, uh, this administration hadn't done anything for our community and that's not true, uh, but we've done a bad job of uh, promoting it. And so I think that we've got to go uh, beyond Tamika Post in matching pajamas. Uh, I think that we got to post. <laughs> we got to post the stuff that's significant uh, and that's meaningful for uh, our people to know what's taking place. Well, well, to your point, brother, just real quick, you're right about that. I would also, and I've been very critical of of the Democratic Party about this. The Democratic Party hasn't done enough to communicate with black men, with black people, with 
disengaged communities, not just since I've been in office, but prior to that. You know, one of the reasons why when I ran the, the party, didn't think I had a shot to win is because the party has been unplugged from real people for a very long time. And what did we do? We went door to door in our community, knocking on doors, being present, canvassing, being everywhere. I met Mondale. You know, we was down with Bill Cobb. Shout out to Bill. We was all over the place, right? In the streets. And that's how we were able to win. And going back to the polling piece, you know, polling had us, uh, you know, pretty much neck and neck. We won that race by 16 points. Um, so it, it's the party has to, the party has all the resources it needs to do what it wants to do. It just chooses to prioritize white, independent slash moderate voters and get them to swing to us without talking to us at all, meaning black men. And, and I, go ahead, Mr. Go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, it's, it's, it's probably inappropriate to discount the importance of social media. So I appreciate everybody like telling the truth that we can't back away from that technology um, because it's honestly how most uh, most black men, black men actually use YouTube like the rest of the world use Google. Right. So um, the fact that YouTube is the wild, wild west as it pertains to um, how how campaigns are even spending resources toward black men is absolutely ridiculous. But beyond that, I would also say, um, I, you know, I think there's there's I, I think trying to entertain the black vote out is always going to um, wind up as a field uh, opportunity for the Democratic Party. What we, what we do know, though, is um, there's 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 a wonderful roadmap on how to win elections. The Democratic Party just choose not to use it every election cycle. They still do the same thing over and over and over with the same consultants over and over. And over. I mean, I'm getting emails right now from James Carville. James Carville should not be sending an email to any black Democrat. He is racist. The fact that they can't even segment out their list. First of all, he's outdated. He's Bill Clinton politics. Majority of black men are triggered by Bill Clinton's name just because of some of his policies and what he did with the office. And people can't even read the room to know that much about their base. But they're still sending out information. And the reason, this is what I wanted to say because I didn't speak on the album, about the polls. The reason the polls are so wrong is they're talking to this so-called likely voter. Um, Black men don't ever fall into that category. Very few of us, those who went to college, those who are part of, you know, uh, fraternities or or those who are super voters. That's a very small sliver of brothers who participated. And while while you all are talking about that, uh, that that tool you was talking about, brother, I just wanted to give this information right now. There's 192,000 black men that have already voted in Georgia. 192,000. It's only wow. one one million black men in Georgia, right? So if, if I remove the suppressions, that 192,000 is probably going to jump to somewhere over 200,000. That means we're performing, like I said, we're outperforming white men. Nobody's, nobody's saying that. Black men are outperforming white men, and they got all the resources and none of the hurdles. Um, we've closed that gap from 10% to 2% black women, and that's how you win. That's how you win. So I, and I think, and even more, I got to say this again, and the reason is because the people who are turning out are not the so-called likely voters. This is why we're gonna. This is how we win elections. This is how we won 2022. So I mean 2020 and how we do win 2022. I, I also think, um, and this is the this is the last point I'll say about this. Uh, there's tools you can use, like free tools, uh, to see what's going on in election outside of polls. And social media is one of them. Facebook, for instance, will allow you. They don't know it. I guess they figured it out yet. You could take the voter file from state, segment it by race 
and take that whole voter file and put it on Facebook and send a message to them uh, for 25 cents or, or $2. You can reach all of those people or target all of those people. And we not, we're, not, we're not doing that. We have white consultants cons you know, creating messaging that sounds like you're talking against us instead of for us. And you're never gonna make brothers see what your administration did as long as you're out here talking how great the economy is when we know we're double, double our white counterpart as it pertains to unemployment. And that's the number one issue for black men. Um, right. We're never gonna make black men see your issues when you're talking about uh, college, you know, college education being the pathway to freedom or, or, or and it don't work that way, black men. But college ain't got us free. Uh, so you took away trades and we need our trades back, including coding, and you're not talking about that to black men. These are the issues, qualified immunity, and why most black men don't walk around talking about qualified immunity. They damn sure will say it's screwed up that a cop can kill a black man and nothing happens to them. Well, and, and that, to me, is a conversation about qualified immunity that people don't even know how to introduce because they think you talk to black men with cameras, a white person in a barbershop. And in actuality, any black man has been in a barbershop know that once somebody that's not a black man walk in the room, the whole damn conversation changed. Uh, it could be a black woman. It could be anybody. You walk in that barbershop and you're not a black man. The entire conversation shifts. So you're not even getting a real conversation. This is why the polls be so bad. They Think about this. Mondell, you, they need you, man. I don't understand why Mondell ain't on <laughs> This doesn't even make sense. I told them. I told them. They listen. Right now, it's what black men are thinking. You know the reality. Like even with social media, like I tell Tamika, Tamika hates social media. She hates for me to get on social media because she know I'm not. I'm gonna say whatever I feel. And I feel like the reality is there has to be a counter narrative, right? If we if we are allowing people to dominate one of the major sources of information for our people, right? When we go to YouTube, like you said, these. The wow, they up there saying everything lies. They said nobody is challenging that. We don't have five or six people that are telling them the truth, right? So at least and when they and they know that we're gonna tell the truth. So if we if we are not saying, hey, this is a lie, right? And these people are, are left to continue to flourish on these platforms with lies and continue to go, then what all they have is this is like it's like really there's only one candidate. Right. If there's no counter narrative, then only thing they, got, they have to believe is truth is the lies that they're being told. So I think the Democratic Party has to do a very a better job at if you got Kanye over here saying this, then you got to get somebody of equal value that you're appealing to what they want to believe, not just come and saying, yo, you're going to vote or die. Like nobody, we tired. We've been voting. Oh, we ain't that shit is done. We tired of hearing it. Like the vote and die shit, it was cool at one point, it was a good slogan, but now we need, if you don't vote, when you vote right here, your kid's gonna be able to be in these schools. You vote, your kid's gonna have opportunities that you didn't have. You vote, you, your kids is gonna be able to, don't have to go through the same struggles that you went through. That's what black, black men are interested to making sure that our kids aren't struggling the same way we did. I, everything I do is to make sure that my sons don't have to work as hard as I did to, to, to be able to just survive. I want them to be able to live comfortably and make decisions not based off desperation, not based off poverty, not saying, damn, I got to risk my freedom. I got to do this. I have to do this, even though I don't want to, even though my heart is into this, even though I'm skilled at this, but I need to get this regular job and go away from my passion because I can't survive. 
That's what black men are interested in. And if they don't get up, if the party doesn't focus around those things, the average everyday black man is dealing with, then they're going to lose. And they have to use these platforms. They got to get on these platforms and use the voice because it's people like us that want to be able, I can't go up there and tell nobody vote or die. I'm just not saying that shit no more. I'm not saying it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to jump in real quick. So excellent points all the way around. Um, so so I'm in Congress right now as the first black man in US history to hold this seat. One of the reasons why I'm here is because black men and black people came out and voted for me. And I could have did much better with black men if I was more strategic and getting them out during my first race. But the fact that I even represent came forth as a actual black man, more black men came out to vote, right? So I'm here now, right? Because I'm here, new and different conversations are happening and different questions are being asked. So we have a White House liaison that we communicate with consistently. I'm in direct contact with the president's chief of staff and I have told him, like when Mondale had that great article, I think it was in the Washington Post about the White House is failing on um, black men. I called the chief of staff, president's chief of staff and was like, yo, you see this article? You gotta do something about it. You need to call him in. We need to have him, blah, blah, blah. And they like, I right, man, I right, I right. like not really listening. Like, okay, whatever. The Democratic Party had a retreat and they brought in like some consultants to teach us, to, to, to train us on messaging. You know what they brought in? They brought in the people who, uh, who did those Dove commercials about love your body. And, 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 they, and they put us through this whole thing on doing this for messaging, Dove commercials, love your body, whatever. They've never had a conversation with me who won a historic election about like messaging. They never have a conversation with nobody in the squad all won historic elections. Sunday. No, they never brought us in and said, yo, what, what did y'all do? Teach us. Never, ever did that at all. On the other side, one of, during one of my first weeks in Congress, seven members of the European Union, seven ambassadors from the European Union set me up with a lunch at mm -hmm. the ambassador's home in D.C. Germany was there. Italy was there. All of these people were there. They just wanted to meet the person they, who beat Elliot Engel because they couldn't believe that it happened. So I got Europe wanting to talk to me and have conversation with me to be like, yo, how did you beat, who is this person beat Elliot Engel? But the, the party here didn't do that, right? So the, the point I want to make is the party has failed historically and continues to, but the fact that now that I'm here, my Dale is involved and all that, we can continue to push the party to have the conversation we need to have because it's not just about voting. It's about accountability after the vote. Mm -hmm. And, you know, me communicating with y'all, my son, Tamika, consistently let y'all know what's going on in Washington, let you know about a bill, asking you to call us. That shit is power. Like, we're power building right now. And it's not, obviously, it's not going to happen overnight. So that's why, like, I wanted to come on to, to really help. I know it's hard because, you know, we've been ignored and, marginalized for, for, for far too long, but we, we are beginning the process of building the power we need to build and having a conversation like this is a big part of that. What is the messaging? You know, my son just went through a whole thing. I'm not gonna say vote or die, but all of you are out there talking to your base. I know uh, this week, this on, on Sunday, uh, Reverend Bryant, old Jamal Bryant, he got my phone blowing up with people because he's the one line master. And from, he said, we don't need a walker, we need a runner. 
and the whole thing, everybody's blowing up saying, you know, Jamal has hit the people with a good line in terms of one election. But I know, Jamal Bryant, that you have to talk to your members one-on-one -on -one. more than the one line from the pulpit. You're out here trying to encourage people, registering people to vote, being in the community. What is the message? Wisdom, saying, what is the message? Here you are, Mondale, sitting in the center of getting black men, uh, the black men, the black male voter project. You got it. You're out here. You're talking to our people. What are you saying? And I'd love to give the congressman the last word uh, because, you know, you got a tough job to come from a, to be a part of a party that, you know, is not handling business properly for our people. Uh, but still to try to encourage folks to see past that uh, and, and engage in the process. So let's start with Reverend Brian. Uh, I've been telling uh, family that the black church needs to take a page from white evangelicals. Mm -hmm. White evangelicals promote policy where the black church historically has promoted personality. And we have failed to talk about what are the issues that are driving us to the poll to uh, what Mondale's point is. Uh, black men uh, educate themselves on what is our point, but the black church has not done it. Mm -hmm. So we have pushed people who are charismatic, who are articulate, who are marketable, uh, but don't hold any accountability around what is the policy agenda. And so our uh, responsibility at this tick of the watch is to raise what are the policies in front of the people. If you stick with what our policies are, then we're gonna forget the personality. And I think that what it is that we have to do is really raise up what are our policies or what uh, my son Roland Martin always says, what's the ask? What are we looking for to come on the other side of this midterm election other than we need your vote in the midterm so we can get it in the presidential primaries in 16 months. So I think that part of our process at this ticket of watch is really underscoring what are the policies. I went and saw very quickly uh, the Till movie on uh, last night uh, about Emmett Till uh, to see a young Mega Evers talk about, uh, while this is good uh, for one case, one case is not going to change it. We need a completely different overhaul of the system. And I think that that's part of our responsibility. Wisdom? Yep. When, when I'm out there in these streets with these young people and talking with them and engaging with them, I really urge them to recognize that we are the ones that we've been waiting for. Um, you know, we know that power can seize nothing out of demand. And the more and more we continue to urge uh, the folks who are in power to actually uh, speak to these issues and actually create real change and implement policy, you know, the more that we'll see it. You know, I, I recognize the fact that we are a great mobilizing body. Um, and there's a lot of things that we're still working on in our generation. But thinking about Gen Z, thinking about millennials, we are the largest living block in America. Um, and I think the way that we actually see that power is by mobilizing our folks, mobilizing our peers, and thinking about our spheres of influence, right? How we can reach people who are in our communities, you know, the power of five, 
uh, the power of reaching into places and spaces that are, aren't being touched. Because at the end of the day, the folks who are here on this call are the ones who are doing the work, right? The folks who um, are consistently engaging day after day. And what I love seeing right now is the, the young Black men who are running for Congress, right? You know, you got Maxwell Frost out of Florida. You got Mandela Barnes out of Wisconsin, right? I've never been so engaged with Wisconsin in my life until this moment in time to see people who look like me, who come from places like me. I get texts from Maxwell Frost every single day talking about voting, talking about voting. And so making sure that we are seeing those candidates who come from our community, who are going to be accountable, who have plans, um, who care about those issues, because everything that we've advocated for, even in just this year, is under attack, right? We talked about student debt cancellation. The people who don't want it to happen are the ones who are voting, the ones who are pushing. And so the more we actually engage with that, the more we actually see things through, the more we actually keep pushing at the door, we'll see a better future. Mondo. <clears throat> I mean, we don't have a script as it pertains to what we tell brothers to go vote um, because, and, and I think the blessing of that is, I mean, you, you, you uh, Tamika, my son, y'all, we, we were blessed to be together in 2020 in Georgia at my event on election night. And it was a hood-ass event. I mean, we have a hood-ass political program that is absolutely working. I mean, we, we I think I think the best thing to do is make sure that in, in the conversations you're having with voters, you're not transactional. We're not going to people door right now talking about this is the most important election of your life. We step away from those conversations. Um, and I think, but we've had 19 conversations with black men in our 17 states this year. So each one of the black men in our state had 19 conversations from us, especially those who are not traditional voters. Um, we spend more time and energy on these people. So now all we're doing is say, hey, don't forget to go vote. And that's all we need to say because our work is not from the past two months, two days. Our work has been since January. So these brothers know what it means. They know that this election uh, they know what it means to them. They know what issue is important to them. They know what motivates them and what doesn't. They also know what's realistic. We also tell brothers all the time, voting for somebody or electing somebody is not revolutionary. Unelecting their ass when they don't do what they say is. So election revolution doesn't happen in one cycle. Um, it's the power to get rid of incumbents. Getting rid of incumbents is something that don't normally happen. Jamal Bowman defeated an incumbent. I'm the mayor of my hometown. I defeated an incumbent. And I think the way that works is if you stay off TV and stay in front of people throughout the year, then you have the right to ask that person to go vote um, and not use these dumbass white taxes that don't do nothing for our communities. Mm. Congressman, you got the last word. Absolutely. So we're not going to defeat white supremacy in 400 years of oppression in one election cycle. Uh, we have to be consistently engaged in building real power, building black power over the course of the rest of our lives. So this is the fight for the rest of our lives and it's every day. So, you know, for me, when I got into Congress and I saw all these lobbies coming at me, right? The pro-Israel lobby, the fossil fuel lobby, the pharmaceutical lobby, police unions, uh, military industrial companies, all these lobbies bombard me with calls and letters and they want to meet and they want to give me money so I could do what they want. And obviously I don't respond to them. We have to build that kind of power in Congress, in every state house, in every county, every municipality, municipality across the country. And it's grassroots up and it's power building. So the, the, the message and the mission is black power. And the more I learn and the more we all learn and share with each other, we are building that power for the long term. So yes, absolutely vote this cycle. But if you vote and go to sleep, that's not enough. It's about remaining engaged uh, to hold us accountable. Like that's the, that's the bottom line, it's accountability. And if you hold your members of Congress and elected officials accountable, 
they're going to do what they need to do for you. And if they don't, you both they both they asses out of office. I'm so happy to have this conversation, man. I'm, I want to say thank all of you. You know, what you said is very important. As a black man, you know, who, who actually just wants the best for his people, it's hard. You know, it's hard having these conversations. It's hard talking to damaged individuals dealing with trauma who have not received anything from this government. Like you said, Mondell, it's, it's the audacity that America thinks that we they, they owe, we owe them our vote. You know, and, and the reality is that we really don't owe them anything. They owe us stuff. And I hope people are paying attention. I hope that people listen to this conversation and understand that Black men have things that they want and things that they need and ways we need to be addressed and respected, you know, and just telling us whatever you think or just disregarding us and going after other demographics is not going to work for us. So, you know, I just want to thank you guys and appreciate you for being able to say the things I'll be thinking. I don't know how to say it as good as y'all be saying it, but I'll be thinking the same things y'all be saying. <laughs> you say it perfectly fine. And I'm glad that my brothers came on today as well to talk. You know, we focus a lot on Black women, but we thought leading into this last few days before the election that we need to focus on the Black man because without a strong Black man in our communities, our communities are hopeless. I believe that my father, he is the king of our home and our, he, hold, he is the man. Everybody knows Stan is the man. But one thing about it is that that man understands his power is also in building his woman and making sure that my mother is happy. So that's what it's all about for me is bringing us together and making sure that no one in our community is left behind. I love y'all so very much. Love thank you more. Reverend thank Jamal you. Bryant. Thank you. Mondell Robinson. Thank you. Wisdom Cole. And thank you, Congressman Jamal Bowman. Thank you. Peace and love, y'all. Talk soon. Hey, everyone. I am so excited. The Black Effect is live. This April 27th, the 2024 Black Effect Podcast Festival is headed to Atlanta's very own Pullman Yards. Last year was incredible, and this year will be even more thrilling, especially with Nissan coming back along for the ride. Nissan is returning with some empowering activations to support Black excellence in the STEAM fields. Have a podcast idea you've been eager to share with the culture? Well, Nissan is back with a Pitch Your Podcast Lounge. You'll have the chance to record your podcast idea and have it shared with a Black Effect podcast network team. But that's not all. Nissan is taking the stage to spotlight some of the HBCU scholars from their own Thrill of Possibility Summit, Nissan's action-packed weekend of community building, mentorship, and professional development for HBCU scholars pursuing professions in STEAM. The Black Effect Podcast Festival is the event to be at. You won't want to miss this because no matter where life takes you, Nissan will dial up the thrill of your adventures. Visit blackeffect.com forward slash podcast festival for more details. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, 
a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements. Along with funding programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palpocyclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR-positive HER2-negative NBC as the first hormonal-based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. That was great. It was great combo. I mean, it's it's been it needs we need like fifty more of them. You know, I I hope that somebody pays attention to this. You know, I hope that you know that people start focusing on what's real. You know, the like you said, the internet is dangerous. It's 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 dangerous for two things. It's dangerous is because if you give the wrong person power on the internet, they can misinform at such a quick rate. Right, you can misinform somebody so fast, millions of people. If you got 100 million followers and 20 million and 30 million followers, and you put out some information that's false, right? They take it as is really what it is, you know. So, and it moves fast. It moves so fast, and people just grab onto it, man. So I hope that the, the truth tellers understand that we have to utilize our voices the same way that the people who are intentionally spreading misinformation and lies are. And we got to combat these lies because they're harmful. You know, we're we in very critical times in our lives, not just in, in this election, but in every election. Every time that we have an election, every time that we exalt someone to a level of power, you know, we, it's, it's critical because when you have the, the ears of the masses and people start to believe you in the hearts, it's hard to pull away, man. We've seen how the power 
you know, in the wrong hands is misleading. We talk about cult leaders. Cult leaders have had followers, man. We talk about people like Hitler. But when you get when you get the ears of people and you start to to utilize it the wrong way, you see how how it can go. How so it can, yeah. You know, how it can really destroy us. So I'm just hoping that somebody's listening, man. I hope y'all paying attention. You know, this was a this was a emergency um show this emergency conversation so we went away from our normal format you know i ain't even going into my i don't get it none of that we're not doing it. i just don't get how people think that we shouldn't be involved in any process that affects our lives whether you like it or not you need to find out the policies that you need that are going to directly affect you and your community and your lives and then find out those you know the candidates that are for those policies and get out there and do what you need to do Absolutely. So with that said, man, I'm not going to always be right. Tamika D. Mallory is not going to always be wrong, but we will both always, and I mean always be authentic. Make sure you go out and vote. Vote for your interests. Vote for your kids. Vote for your wife. Vote for your husband. Vote for everybody. That's right. And November 8th is the last day to vote. The last day. Places, early voting is happening now. Find your polling location and go cast your vote. Peace. Listen to Street Politicians on the Black Effect Network on iHeartRadio. And catch us every single Wednesday for the video version of Street Politicians on iWomen.tv. That's how we own it! AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Got my PrevNA 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic, and at higher risk? Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. 
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.